Episode 50, Positive Intelligence with Kevin Gazzara. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin. And today, Michelle, myself, and our guest, Kevin Gazzara, discuss how to use the concepts behind positive intelligence to change the story in your head. Kevin also shares personal stories around how positive intelligence and PQ reps has changed his life and might change yours too. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. So, Kevin, welcome to the story in your head. We'd like to start with you. Could you just give us like a 10-story elevator speech? So, we, we meet on the elevator and... This is a chance for you to introduce us before we get off on the 10th floor. Sure, I'd be glad to do that. So my name is Dr. Kevin Gazzara. I'm here in beautiful, sunny Phoenix, although I was born and raised in the Philadelphia area. Today, I think we're going to talk about positive intelligence. A little bit of background for me, born and raised in, in the Philly area, went to Drexel, did my undergraduate degrees there in commerce and engineering, did an MBA, and then ultimately went off and did my doctorate in organizational leadership. So so the leadership piece is really a passion of mine, and positive intelligence really fits in there. I spent about thir- just about 30 years in the corporate world. I worked for Transamerica Corporation for about 10 years, not the financial portion. And then I had the great opportunity to spend 18 years at Intel. And I retired from Intel with two of my colleagues in 2007 to start up our company, which we had our 15th year anniversary just this past week. And at Intel, I had lots of different jobs. I was a marketing engineer, a customer engineer, was a product manager for them for many different chips. I was a GM for them, general manager. But the last 10 years I spent at Intel managing Intel's management and leadership, what they call the residential programs for first and midline managers. And that was a fantastic job. And ultimately what I wanted to do in my 15-year plan was to retire at 50 and then go help other organizations that didn't have 10 or $20 million and help them do development, you know, create management leadership development programs. So that's what we did. Left in 2007, haven't looked back. It's been a fantastic ride, and we've been able to help lots and lots of companies around the world, you know, build better leadership programs. I think one other thing I might tell you is I've, I've also spent, uh, in parallel to my Intel career, I've spent, I've been a professor at six different universities and taught everywhere from undergrad to grad to doctoral programs, primarily focused around leadership management, organizational behavior, and have had the great opportunity to develop uh, four different master's degree programs for four different universities. And it's been a great ride. So I get an opportunity to balance the, the academic side and the practical side each day, in addition to doing some executive coaching. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Great background. It's been a good ride. (laughs) You know, there's not much better you can say than that. (laughs) 
Well, thanks, Michelle. Yeah. So, so I'll lead off with a question. You talk a lot about positive intelligence, and maybe for our listeners, you could help define that. You know, what do you mean by that? Well, if I think many, probably most of your listeners or many of your listeners are familiar with emotional intelligence, the work that was originally done by Howard Gardner and then with Daniel Goleman. And he's, Goleman has written lots and lots of great books, terrific researcher. I've read all his material, just wonderful. And it's really about kind of understanding ourselves and, and how that relates to, to others with regard to kind of our self-awareness and awareness of, of others and what he calls your emotional intelligence or your EQ quotient. And that came out, God, Gardner's done probably his work 30 or 40 years ago. And then Goldman out of Rutgers did his, I think it was in the 90s. And it's really become very, very popular. And I mean, what we know is that, you know, organizations, particular managers and leaders that have a high EQ are generally significantly more successful than ones that just have a high IQ. And that's really a great determining factor. I think one of the challenges has always been is that emotional intelligence, unless you're going to do a heavy duty, deep dive study, sometimes is a little bit more challenging for individuals than others. And they understand the high concept, putting it in practice sometimes is a little bit more arduous than, than might be desirable. So several years ago, there was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Shirzad Shamin, and he wrote a book called Positive Intelligence. And I've got a prop here for anyone that's looking for a positive intelligence book, right? And what he did was he actually took all of the concepts from lots of different theorists and so forth, like Gartner and Goldman, Boyatzis and so forth, that have done a fantastic job of the kind of defining and doing the research, having all the statistical data to say, hey, this is valid. And what Shrizad has done is he has put an operating system on that so that we can kind of control the voice, one, identify the voices in our head, and secondarily, control them in a way, in a very, very positive way. So I think the best way I could describe positive intelligence is it's taking emotional intelligence, it's giving you an ability to recognize the areas very quickly, very distinctly, and I'll talk about those in a little bit, and gives you a roadmap on how to identify them and uh, make some corrections. So it's it's really about recognizing the voices, controlling them, and then coming with a solution. So he talks about the two sides of the of our brain. We have our saboteur brain, and I'll talk about the 10 saboteurs in a minute. And then we have what we call the sage brain. And the key is, is if you could get your sage brain turned on, then the responses are significantly better, not only for you, but for the other person as well. Thanks, Kevin, for the the overview. If I'm working in an organization and I'm, you know, I got, I got uh, so many different employees, right? Let's say we have five or six to 10 different employees that are exhibiting something. Which one are you looking for to say, this would be a help to you? And maybe it would be like everybody, but is it like, is there something you would say, this is a person that it would be helpful to learn about positive intelligence? Well, Ron, I, I had gotten certified to teach positive intelligence probably about a year ago and probably run about 50 or 60 people through the, through the program. We do six-week programs about every six weeks or so. And what we found is, is that this is applicable to anyone, right? There isn't a, a specific target. 
It's for people that are incredibly successful that want to take the next leap up. And then there's also people that are really struggling, that they have that voice in their head, that negative voice in their head, the saboteurs that just seem to constantly take over and they really can't get to the, to the next step. So, so it really is applicable at, at all levels. I haven't had any situation where people haven't benefited from that. Great. Thanks. So when I think about all the stories in my head, right, which I'm brilliant at creating them every second, there's positive ones, there's negative ones. So you talk a lot about controlling or changing the story around negative thoughts or negatives. How do you do that? What's your recommendations there? Well, Michelle, let's talk, let me first of all, let the the viewers or the, the listeners kind of understand kind of the the two sides of the brain. So the, the first side is, is what we call the saboteur brain. And the big saboteur is, is the judge. And we all have that, that saboteur in our brains. The judge is kind of judging what we do constantly, not only from ourselves, looking for other people to kind of help us out with regard to the judge. And then the other nine, what they call the accomplice saboteurs are the controller, the hyperachiever, the restless brain, the stickler, the pleaser, the hypervigilant brain, the saboteur, the avoider, the victim, and then the hyper-rational. In particular, as an engineer, that my hyper-rational brain is constantly just taking over everything. And, and that's the one side of the brain. And what the positive intelligence assessment does, which you can take, and by the way, it's, it's free. We'll, I'll give you a link at the end of the, the session today for anyone that wants to do that. You can take this assessment and it will rank your saboteurs, you know, from essentially one to 10 or not really one to nine because the judge is is the big one. It'll rank them for you. So you have an idea. Um, And then, you know, in the book or whether you take the the uh, the six week program, whatever you wanted to do, there's there's solutions on how do you handle that? So that's the that's the one side of that's the saboteur portion of the brain. And the key is, is that you want to activate what, we, what Shirzad calls in the book, um, the sage portion of your brain. And, and the sage really has, there's what he calls the five sage powers. Uh, and in your sage brain, the other side of, the, of your brain, you have the first sage power is what they call is the empathize, right? It's, it's actually, you know, being able to pull your empathy out for others, which is a, a big foundation on emotional intelligence. The second sage practice is explore, right? So going g- deeper. The other one is innovate. So it's getting turning on that creative brain. The other one is, is navigate. It's kind of looking in the future and kind of bringing that back to the present of kind of what is possible to navigate that. And then the last one is what they call activate. It's actually doing it. It's, it's actually turning it on. So if you can identify your saboteurs and you can turn on your sage brain, so that that is the brain that's focusing on it as opposed to what we typically have the voice in our head is, is that we want to spend most of the time kind of fighting the saboteur brain and kind of arguing with it and doing lots and lots of what if scenarios. And, and those two steps are kind of coupled with a central step. And, and the central step, once you identify your saboteurs, what you want to do is you want to do what Shirzad calls a PQ rep, a positive intelligence rep. And for those of you that, that are, are do meditation or mindfulness and so forth, 
It's really techniques to quiet your brain. And in the program, Shirzad talks about the five, the five different ways to, to do that through, through meditation, through mindfulness and med- meditation. Thanks, Kevin. So as you were learning this, like what part of the saboteur showed up as like your favorite or you should say the one you used the most for yourself? And then, and then what, what, tell me about your story about you going through and changing that from saboteur to sage. Well, you know, for me as the, you know, since my background is in engineering and, and business, my hyper rational is the one that's the most active all of the time. And typically, so, and we spend a lot of time in our leadership programs with technical people and with the technical people that we find also when they've taken the assessments, we get lots and lots of people that are really hyper rational, right? That they always want to go to kind of rational arguments, bring on the facts and, and so forth. And for me, what I recognized is that was kind of my default. I'm trying to argue with someone or I'm trying to change someone else's opinion. I'm trying to influence them or impress them. Typically, I always go to academic knowledge, you know, previous experience, and really just talk facts, 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 facts. And what I recognize, because particularly since my, my saboteur, my hyper-rational is so strong, and you know, you get, you'll get your ratings anywhere between zero and 10. And my, mine is, I think, like an 8.7 of a hyper-rational. So it's, it's really much stronger than the other ones. And what I found was, is that, you know, my key learning from going through the, the certification process and doing the additional reading is that if I want to communicate with you, if I really want to connect with you, that I have to get through the emotional piece before I can get to the rational piece. Just trying to bowl through the rational is usually pretty futile. So if I can't, if I can't make that emotional connection with you, if I can't take the breather, I can't kind of quiet the hyper-rational brain, do some listening, connect from an empathetic perspective first, then my ability to really make that connection with you to get to a, a mutual resolution where essentially you're going to either come to a compromise or do full collaboration is very, very difficult. And if you'd like, I'll, I'm going to tell you a story where this this became very, very exposed for me. So I'll tell you, try to make this a very quick story and hopefully the, the listeners will get a, get a smile out of it. About a year and a half ago, as I was going through the program, my daughter, my youngest daughter was getting married and because of COVID, we had, it was limited, it was outside. You know, this was the third scheduling of the wedding Due to COVID cancellations, we were at a country club, beautiful country club, and because it was outside, we had to uh, reduce it from 150 to, I think, 75, and we ordered tent coverings. Now, it was in Southern California, so typically you don't get a lot of rain. It's nice having that backup, so we put a deposit down on, on the tents to make sure all the areas were going to be covered, and they said you know, a week before the wedding starts, you can cancel the tents and just lose your deposit. You don't have to pay for the whatever, several thousand dollars worth for the tents. So as we were approaching the wedding, we're watching the weather, my daughter more so because she was the one that did the contract with them. And Saturday before, or actually Friday before it was a 0%, Saturday was 0%, Sunday was 0%. And she called and said, hey, you know, we're going to cancel this and you keep the deposit. 
Monday, it went to, I think, like 10%. Tuesday, it went to 30 And Wednesday morning, it went to 90% rain. So she called them back and they said, well, we're sorry, but we, we can't do that. So we hope that things turn out well. Well, that pushed my daughter into an emotional frenzy. So I said, give me the, give me the person's contact. At, so first of all, I went and called like 15 other tent suppliers. None of them had anything available for Saturday. So I said, give me the, the, one, the person that you had and let me have a discussion with them. So she gave me the contact and my hyper-rational brain was already kicking in of like, here's what we need to do. You need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm studying this. I'm getting certified. Maybe I shouldn't listen to that portion. Maybe I should truly do the empathetic thing. So rather than calling the coordinator up and, and give her kind of try to you know, force her into do that, I tried to make a connection. I said, hey, you know, my name is Kevin Gazar. I'm Christine's dad. Here's, you know, here's what I understand has happened. You know, and I wanted to get a little, I wanted to get to know her a little bit. You know, are you married? Have you had kids? You've been, oh yeah, I was married. I got just married just recently. How was your wedding? And, and I just spent the time getting her to kind of place herself in, in the wedding. So, you know, how did your dad feel about this? And, and really talked her in. So she essentially became Christine. And then I said to her, you know, you can imagine how your dad would feel if your wedding was rained out, you know, and, you know, how do you think that would, you know, would have worked for you? And I let her kind of talk through that. And as she talked through that, what happened was, I think she really became engaged with me. And because she could feel what it might feel like both for me as well as for my daughter. And, uh, and after, and this was probably seven, seven, maybe 10 minutes of discussion. So no discussions about kind of next step and the hyper-rational, here's what you need to do and payments and timing. She said, let me, and this was a big, big company. I don't know how many people have, but it's not a small company. She said, let me go and talk to, I know a guy in production. She's usually pretty creative. Let me go talk to him and I'll call you back. So about an hour later, just a terrible hour waiting. She calls me back and she says, you know, if, if we can, the problem is, is we have the tents. We just don't have the crews. If we can do this on Friday, right? Cause we're not busy Friday. We can do all the setup for you on Friday. If you can get approval from the, from the venue. So I called the GM there. He said, Oh yeah, that's absolutely right. They set all the tents up and then Saturday came two o'clock in the morning, Saturday. There was torrential rains that lasted for 12 hours. Okay. Now her wedding, her wedding was at three. So at two o'clock, the rain stopped so they could do the pictures. Of course, everything was massively soaked. And at three o'clock, just like in a movie, as they were getting married outside, all the clouds parted and the sunshine came down. And it was just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful day. Now, I think the moral of the story here is one is I spent the time to kind of take a breath, kind of recognize my saboteurs, trying to make emotional connections so I could turn on my sage brain, which was kind of explore. It's like, what options can, can we explore? And I allowed, I allowed her to do that with, with the experts there to come up with new ideas. And as it turns out, what she had, had told us afterward, after was that if they would have 
if we would have been able to just keep it like it was, that their ability to set it up Saturday morning, which was the original design during the torrential rains, would have been difficult, if not impossible. So, so you know, my parents have always told me stuff happens for a reason. You may not know at the moment. I certainly understood that after the, the wedding was done. Thanks, Kevin. An, an amazing story. You know, I, I grew up in the Northeast, but I live in, in South Florida now. So those those torrential quick pop up, zero chance to suddenly downpour. Yeah, I've had to I've had to get used to that. So so thanks. And I'm sure. glad the wedding came out came out well. So was I, Michelle. I, I think the the real kind of tell was, you know, for the father daughter dance, my daughter just saying to me, you know, Dad, this has far exceeded anything I could have ever hoped for. So so she was happy. I was happy. My wife was happy. Everybody else was was happy. And it was just a, a fantastic night. And on top of that, all of the guests, none of the guests got any COVID during the time. So, so not only did we keep the, had a lot of masks happening, not only did we have a great wedding, we also were, you know, very, very thankful uh, that none of the guests got sick. Uh, sounds like some great memories. You talked about how, I think Christine was her name, engaged differently with you. I'm curious, having gone through that, how do you think you engaged differently with her? Like what change did it occur, calming your saboteur? Well, so Christine is my daughter. Ah. The woman, I, I, for, I forget her name at, at the moment, it escapes me, this is a you know, year and a half ago or so. I, I think the big difference was that I didn't come in like a bull in a china shop, you know, and, and I think the same applies in the business world. You know, we teach a lot. Of, we have a program called the Leading Forward Academy that runs for six months that we do with our organization of Magna Leadership Solutions. And you know, one of the foundational pieces that we teach, in addition to positive intelligence, is that we teach communication skills. And the first thing we teach is, is that humans can only take communications in one way, and either as an opportunity or as a threat. And using kind of a servant leadership model, you always want to get other people to take take the conversation as an opportunity, right? And and sometimes that's difficult. So so my communication with the coordinator, I had to make sure she took this as an opportunity rather than than a threat. So so my approach, kind of kind of using a, a mindfulness approach and and an empathy approach to to do this, works the same way in the business environment. So when you are in a high conflict area, one of the other thing that we that we teach is one of the foundations based around the servant leadership model is that we we always ask people to start from the perspective of I'm the problem or I'm contributing to the problem. So every problem that you have, so when you get into that conflict situation, when your employees are not delivering what's what's necessary, you've missed the deadline, the VPs are screaming, all all of that kind of thing, we we get people to recognize is start off with I'm the problem where I'm contributing to the problem. And that feeds very, very well into positive intelligence because typically I'm the problem where I'm contributing to the problem is fueled by one of the 10 saboteurs, right? So the key is, is argue with yourself or identify the saboteur that's causing that, right? So that you can come up with the ideas that can make it, make it better. So, so go in there with a collaborative mindset rather than a combative mindset or, you know, a, a mindset that it's, uh, it's, it's a, a zero sum game. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. 
what is the method for keeping it fresh? Like keeping it in front. Cause like one of our, one of my statements is when I remember all that stuff, it's really cool. Right. So how do you keep it to the place where it's in front of you and, and it's engaged with you? So you have that story in your head in the front of your brain. So you're ready with it. How do you keep that stuff fresh? Yeah. And, and that's the, th- you know, that's Ron, that's a fantastic question because um, that's the thing that sure that positive intelligence addressed, right? It's, it's that we kind of know, everybody kind of knows this, right? And they know we have to, we have to take a step back and we have to, to really do really good empathetic listening and, and so forth in the heat of the moment that, uh, that it's very difficult to do. And I, I would say, particularly as you get up higher in the organizations, people that have significantly more stress and more responsibility have a more difficult time to, to do that because there's a lot more at stake. So what Shrizad has done, and you probably can't see it here, is he's created an app that runs on your phone. So every morning you get a notification of fo- what's called focus for the day. Today's focus for the day is improving your self-command through labeling. So you get a two-minute snippet to kind of keep it front of mind is what you're saying. And then throughout the day, every several hours, you get a little prompt that comes up that just says, take a pause and do what he calls a PQ rep. And a PQ rep essentially is a, is a mindful ne- mindfulness technique that, that allows you to kind of clear the clutter and all of the things that are going on in your brain out to build what he calls your PQ muscle. You know, in a PQ rep, hap- they happen in two minute increments. You can do them longer. There's, they, they have a gym built into the, the app, which is, is awesome. And in the gym, you can do five, seven, 12-minute reps, or you can do the, the PQ rep. One of his, his favorite reps that Shrizad talks about is, is, real, is rubbing your, fin- your fingers together and really focusing, trying to recognize the ridges of your, of your fingers, right? So that you can really feel your fingerprint. And then there's breathing that goes along with it and, and so forth. So the idea is, is to calm your mind chatter, refocus and build and there's really good neuroscience that says that if you can do this it's just it's like a muscle that if you can do this to answer your question what happens is is it it builds that pq muscle so when you need to get rid of the chatter it's there and that's that's the only way you can do it is is if you could do it consistently so it's a process more than just a, a knowledge event so so every morning i get up quarter of eight uh of course if i'm not on a podcast or whatever I do my, my first focus for the day, and then everything happens in about two or three hour increments. And at the end of the day, they, you get a prompt to, to do a reflection. And, and it builds on a chart on the, on the screen for you that, that shows you where your, your mental fitness is, where it should be, where it actually is, and, and a target, right? So you can, you can build that through doing more breathing, mindfulness techniques, PQ reps, whatever, so that when you need it, as you've asked, it's there for you. So it comes much, much more, more naturally. Thanks. And and so how can people find out more about positive intelligence and get started? Well, there's, you can certainly highly recommend the book, fantastic book. You can go and get it on Amazon. You know, it's just positive intelligence by Shirzad, S-H-I-R-Z-A-D, Shamin, C-H-A-M-I-N-E. So that's probably a first start. There's lots of stuff on YouTube and so forth. You can go to the site 
We've created our own site. It's called pqtrainingandcoaching.com. And that's where we, we deliver our programs through. So we essentially have gotten certified so that we can deliver the six-week program as a, as a certified ins- instructor for the Positive Intelligence Organization. And if you go to our site, you'll get a little bit of pop-up if you put your name in there. We give you a quick start sheet that, that says, here's the questions you want to answer. Here's the sites to go to to get your scores and everything. And everything's kind of laid out in a really nice sequence. So you can get it from from our site. That's probably the easiest way. Or just do a positive intelligence search on on the web. Shirzad's main site is is just positiveintelligence.com. You can go there, great information. Kind of you have to poke around a little bit to kind of find the assessments. There's two assessments there. One is your saboteur assessment. And the second assessment gives you your PQ score from zero to a hundred that identifies essentially like your emotional intelligence brain, your positive intelligence strength. And what he's found is, is that, that if you can get your strength to a 75, essentially where there's a three to one ratio of sage to saboteur, then you can truly, you know, start excelling at this and, and really being a more emotionally and positively intelligent leader. So I would say pqtrainingandcoaching.com will get you that quick start, the positive intelligence. If you want to poke around and look at all the other content, that's there as well. Thanks, Kevin. My, my last question, we all have these stories in our head, right? And most of us don't like to talk about those stories that are in our head. And yet they're there and they can be a saboteur or a sage, or they could be scared or they could be bold all kinds of spaces that those stories could be into. If you were going to give a gift to the world of a story that people could have in their head that they could keep ready to hand and use, what story would you give? Well, hopefully the, my daughter's story for Christine is, is going to be one that's going to, to st- stick with them. And I, and I think this, I think the story that I would give Ron, in, in addition to the, my daughter's wedding story w- would be to reflect on all the things that you've been able to accomplish for yourself, not compared to anyone else, right? Because if you compare yourself, there's lots and lots of people to compare yourself to. And I think that's typically what, what one of the, the, the saboteurs, whether it's your, your stickler, your avoider, your victim, or your restless saboteur, we're always trying to compare to woe is me or, and, and so forth. And what I would, what I would say is this, the story in your head is, is create the story in your head. And I think one of the best ways to do that is through reflection, to, to reflect on the things that you've, that you've done, the things that you're proud of, the things that make a difference to you. And once again, not as compared to anyone else, it's really just for you. And one of the things that I do when I, when I do my executive coaching is that I, the, one of the very first things we do is we, we get them to define what's your What's your metric for success? You know, typically in business, everybody's metrics for success is, you know, title, number of people report to them, how much money you make, and, you know, the car that you drive and, and so forth. And that certainly is a metric. And sometimes that's, that's important to individuals. I try to get them to really think deeper about what the metric is. You know, and quite often what I hear from a lot of the different executives is, you know, time with my family, connections with my kids feeling like I'm making a contribution, you know, essentially bring that whole purpose motive in. And a lot of times 
the stories in our head continually listen to what everybody else has told us. You got to get that better title and more stock options and make more money and a bigger house and a faster car and big, all, all of that. And that, that's the external thing. So if you can get the, if you can really reflect on what you've done and not from just an accomplishment perspective, think about it from a perspective of, of satisfaction for yourself, where you felt most, most content or satisfied. I think what you'll recognize is maybe some of the external metric systems may not be the metric system that you really value. So, and, and quite often it's not a single value. It's not just maybe money or, or family, whatever. It's usually a combination of several of them. And I really don't think, you know, that people think about that sufficiently. And particularly if you can think about it early in your career, it really does make a, a big difference. Thank you, Kevin. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been my pleasure. I hope that people explore positive intelligence. It's really been life-changing for me. We use this with all of the people that we do all of our executive coaching with at Magna Leadership Solutions. And the nice thing is, so for anyone that's a coach out there, I highly recommend it because what it does is it gives you a common language to have with the people that you're coaching. So it allows them to do that self-exploration and it allows you to use the words or the terms both from a saboteur and a sage perspective so that the conversation is significantly more flowing and comes naturally than anything else. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.